0: Today's message, you'll be excited to know, is called Hard Headed. How many of you in here would say, I'm hard headed? And those without their hands up are just being hard headed. (laughs) Fooling their own selves, because I believe we all have a propensity to be hard headed. God, when he gave us free will, he knew that we would become hard-headed. We get set in our ways. Nobody's going to tell me anything. (laughs) In Isaiah chapter 6, you want to turn there? Isaiah 6, right there in the middle of your Bible. The prophet Isaiah is having a vision with, with the Lord. He says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I believe God's still asking that question every day. Because there's still lost people on the planet. People that Jesus bled and died for. He's saying, whom shall I send as a messenger? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am send me is that your heart I hope it's your heart and then God said and I believe being a a bit facetious God's probably the only one who has a right to be facetious he's the creator so but he says yes go and say to the people listen carefully but do not understand Watch closely, but learn nothing. <laughs> Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their ears or eyes and not hear with their ears. Nor understand with their hearts and turn to me for healing. God is saying, go on and preach it, but they're not going to listen like usual. God is saying, people are hard-headed. Say hard-headed. Y'all going to have to help me today. Don't be Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> now, I've always been hard it, so I, this is a message for me as much as it is you. When I was probably 9 or 10 years old, I remember spending a weekend down in Shaw, Mississippi, the little speck on the side of the 61 Highway where my grandparents lived, out in the middle of a cotton field. You know, they're in the Delta, there's nothing but cotton fields and bean fields everywhere. And they lived just a little bit off the 61 Highway. And uh, I was sitting out there, nothing to do in the delta i mean absolutely nothing and i'd gotten into all the other trouble i could think of my papa he was driving a tractor and he was driving down to the bow and plowing a row and then he'd come back a little closer and he'd drive down this way well next time he came down there i got the bright idea i was gonna see how far i could throw a dirt clod and so i threw it at him and it came up woefully short but that didn't discourage me. There was nothing else to do. So I waited on him to go to the bow and come back again. <laughs> so I, next time he did, I threw another. And after a couple of times, I didn't realize he was getting closer and closer each time he'd do a row. One time I finally hit the wheel on the side of his tractor. And he slammed on that clutch or that brake or whatever's on the tractor. And, and you got to understand, my papa, he's about, he goes about 260. Big old mean Italian temper. He got big bushy eyebrows, you know, and he'll do them eyebrows and they'll just arc like that. it scare you half to death. He stood up on that tractor. He said, boy, you hit me with that dirt clod. I'm going to come down off of this tractor and be your cooler, boy. Now, I don't speak Italian, and I don't know what the word cooler means. I hope it's something that we can say in church, but it might not be. But I didn't want mine whooped. (laughs) I said, okay, Papa. So he got back on the tractor, and he drove, and he went back down the bow. By the time he got down there, I was so hard-headed, I was thinking, I'd probably get him this time. (laughs) And when he made his way back, I picked up that dirt clod to end all dirt clods. That one that will go down in infamy. (laughs) you know, That one I will never forget, because this time when I slung it, it's... Flop, right across his big bald head. <laughs> it was funny for about that long. <laughs> and then Papa, who's got to be in his 60s, maybe close to 70, he doesn't bother to hit the clutch this time. He just jumps off the tractor. Didn't put it in neutral or anything. Tractor's still rolling. He hits the ground running. And he's coming to me. And he's pulling that big belt off the whole time. And it's like the size 64 or something. It's taking him like this. And I'm looking. And, and I know I should run. I'm just a little sprout. I could outrun him. But my knees was fellowshipping. And I was so scared at the awesome sight of his wrath. You know. And he got there. And it wobble. He started whooping me. He whooped me to all. All the traffic on the sixty-one highway had come to a stop. They they were setting up lounge chairs out there. Said, Whoa, "Look at that! That was a good shot right there." Look at it. he would chase them around in circles. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> can you say hard-headed? hard-headed. <sighs> <sighs> Don't know when to quit. Hard-headed. Do you know you can be walking with Jesus? And still be hard headed? Yeah. Of course you can. I do it every day. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus, in the in the we'll start in the twentieth verse, Jesus had just talked to his disciples. And he said, Who do people say that I am? And they said, You're they say you're one of the prophets. You gotta give me give me a moment. I'm out of breath. <laughs> Storytelling can be rough. <laughs> Anyway, they said, they say you're one of the prophets, maybe John the Baptist or whatever. And then so he says in verse 20, he says, but who do you say I am? And Peter replied, uh, you're the Messiah, the son of God. And I think this took Jesus back a bit because he knew how hard-headed Peter was. If there was anybody hard-headed in the Bible, it was Peter, right? And when Peter said something right, Jesus said, whoa, why? Your flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. I know you. It must have been my Father in heaven revealed that to you. And then in verse 21, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. (laughs) I don't know, but I think that's some Christians today's favorite verse. (laughs) It's the only one in the Bible they obey. I'm not going to tell anybody. It says right Have you told anybody about Jesus lately this year? you ever went anybody to the Lord? No, it says in the Bible not to tell anybody who Jesus was. (laughs) But let me clarify. That was before his resurrection, and he knew the crowds would mob him, and he wouldn't be able to finish his task at hand, so he was trying to keep it quiet until after he had finished his task on the earth. I can assure you that now the Great Commission says to go and tell everybody that the fields are white to harvest that we are indeed to tell people about our savior and lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22 says then Jesus begins to tell them. He says the son of man speaking in third person talking about himself must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. So what did he do? He just explained the gospel to them. He, he just said about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He, and, you know, that was just one out of three times that he told them exactly what was going to happen when they got to Jerusalem. But did they listen? They were completely surprised when Jesus was crucified. I mean, Peter drew a sword and tried to chop a dude's ear off just to keep it from happening. And after he's crucified, all the disciples are hiding in fear and and experiencing great sorrow. And they had stared at Jesus in the eye while he was speaking. They were hanging on every word. And he says, Going to Jerusalem. They're The teachers of religious law and all the religious people, they're going to treat me shamefully and they're, they're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. And they said, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then Jesus said, come on, we must go to Jerusalem. They said, no, it shall never happen, Lord. He told them three times. But they were just as surprised as anybody else when it actually happened. Happened, And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to live your life hard-headed to what God has told you and what God has proclaimed for your future, then you're going to live your life in fear and in great sorrow. That's where America is right now. They have forgotten what God has said, and now they're living in fear and great sorrow. Do you know it's entirely possible to hear and not perceive? (laughs) I mean, y'all do that every Sunday after I get through preaching, right? (laughs) I mean, I tell you what God says and you go away and forget what manner of sermon that was. You stare into the words of life and you walk away and forget. You can hear it, and sometimes the more you hear it, the less you perceive it because you just make it a cliche. Oh yeah, I know God loves me, but that, doesn't, that means very little to me now because I've heard that so many times. But the word of God, Jesus, you know, Jesus doesn't just say things that he doesn't mean. He didn't just say them just to be talking. He's not just jawing. <laughs> he was very purposeful. He said, I only say the things I hear the Father say. And when he said something, I can assure you, he means it. That's why he was always telling people before he preached. He's like, let him who has ears hear. Now, I know you got these ears, but he's saying Let it register. Let it sit on your heart. Let it be like seed planted in good soil. Don't let the devil come immediately to steal it. Don't let it be uh, taken away by the cares of this life, or choked out by the lust of other things. Let my words sit in your heart and have time to grow so that you can perceive the words that bring you eternal life. We're so ignorant of what God wants for us. We quote it all day, but we don't live it like Joe said. We're not living in the fullness of what God's word wants to provide in our life because we don't really believe or perceive. Now Jesus was buried in the tomb, and on on that Sunday morning, some of the women came to anoint his body or whatever burial stuff they were going to do that Sunday morning, and they got there, and the stone had been rolled away. There were two angels sitting in there. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 6, the angels say, He isn't here! <laughs> Do you see it's got an exclamation point? <laughs> I mean, the, the angel's like, He isn't here! He is risen from the dead! Remember what He told you back in Galilee, you hardheads? The angels are scratching their head. Who are these human beings? They look. They, 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 but they don't perceive they're surprised that he's raised from the dead that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day then they remembered that he had said this so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened it was Mary Magdalene And you know from another account in another gospel, we know that Mary Magdalene actually physically saw Jesus after his resurrection. She was the first one to see Jesus, so she's coming back with a first-hand report. Not only what the angels said, she knows what Jesus said. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who, who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Women, look at you, man, and just tell him, y'all are exceptionally hard-headed. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Sometimes I get on the ladies, but today, men can be especially hard-headed. We got a, uh, we got a video that they're going to queue up for you real quick. This was I think this was shot back in the nineteen seventies, I would imagine. This is Billy Graham. How many of you love Billy Graham, trust Billy Graham as a great evangelist and a man of God? I think he was feeling about America the way we're feeling about America even back then. He was seeing what How back I said Lord. Right on. Okay, so good video. <laughs> Please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk. Because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he's doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Hard-headed. Don't you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put trust in my money. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. Amen. Amen. And we've been several decades from there, and we've been on the decline ever since. How do y'all feel about what's happening in America? In God. Right. Amen. Amen. We got some people that have maybe perceived a little bit about what's going on in the world. But I tell you, if you just look on the news, you're going to be down in the mouth. If you just look at the situation, if you just look at the, the sin that's <laughs> rampant, And the moral decay of our nation and the direction that people want to bring us and the corruption in our politics and our leadership. It can be overwhelming. So Billy Graham is saying what I'm here to tell you today. Remember what God said. We got to focus on Jesus Christ. The results That are happening in America today are the results of a hard-headed church over many generations. A church that said, oh, he didn't really mean that great commission and great commandment thing, did he? It's just much easier for us to build a big building and all gather together and have a nice social club. He didn't really mean that when he said go into all the world, did he? Oh, we'll send someone else. Here, I'll give a few books. And we watched as the society around us began to decay. for For too long, the church has retreated. We've been to too many retreats. While darkness began to encroach. And we said, well, we'll be okay as long as we're behind our four walls of the church. But how safe do you feel now? We've got a nation that's divided against itself. And Jesus said, a nation divided shall not stand. Some people think they have the answer. (laughs) But according to the elections, it looks like uh, 50.1% believe this way and 49.9% believe that way. That's a nation divided against itself. Okay, so these people over here are saying, well, we'll just get them. If we could just kill all of them off, we'd be okay. It don't work like that. Well, you gonna kill your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles? What are we what are we gonna do? If we could just if we could get power in the government, we could have our way. But the people over here are not gonna go with that. We're in a predicament. There's no, the the, the problem is, is one side will not listen to the other. There's no room for conversation. There's just yelling and bickering and fighting and hatred. And there's seemingly no way to win. And this is the devil's plan for America all along. Without firing a shot, he can bring down the great beacon of freedom in the world. You see he's interested in starting this one world government. He's interested in putting his antichrist on the throne and America stands in the way. And he's boy he's focusing all his attention on dividing this nation so that 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 we can become a another nation on the pile of nations that forgot the Lord their God. He wants us to turn against one another destroy one another when clearly Jesus said a house divided against itself shall not stand and and, and if we weren't so hard headed as a church I believe we could have done something and I look around And I still see if the church is doing anything right now, they're siding up with political parties. They still got their focus. Their hope is in a president. Their hope is in an ideology. Man, if we can get our man in office, if we can get our Congress, if we can get our Senate. The church is still being hard headed that's natural thinking there's only one solution If if America is to survive this it's by putting our trust in God and God alone just like Billy Graham just said the answer is still the same it's not to be carnally minded but to be spiritually minded where there's life and peace carnally minded is nothing but death now I'm not saying I vote I vote I have strong opinions on the direction this country should go. And I'm willing to pray for this country every day. I tell you, Tuesday night, I was here. I was laying my heart on the line in intercessory prayer for this nation. You know how many of us were here at corporate prayer Tuesday night? It was awesome. It was two of us. It's not going to be nothing. If I have to crawl off my deathbed to get here, I'm going to be praying on Tuesday night. Somebody's going to be here holding down the fort. Now, I know we usually have more than that. Some of our people were ill or or they were out of town or, or things like that. But even so, it's usually only six or seven lately. If you're really serious about America, how many hours are you spending looking at your political party's ideas or how many hours are you spending actually praying for America? I say it all the time. I put out Facebook posts and everything else. If we're not going to pray now, when? If this isn't the time to pray, y'all let me know when we should start. I think we're a little late to the game. But prayer says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. So me and Angie, we put ten thousand to flight, ten thousand demons got him out of here. And believe for our country, if we will come together and pray, that's what this that's, that's revival. Revival. You want revival? We sing about revival, do we? We got to do what it takes to have revival. There has to be a revival in our hearts about spiritual matters. We can't say, well, yeah, we want to goose bump at church but live like the devil all week long. And not care anything about God Monday through Saturday. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. Excuse me. But I'm sure somebody on the the live stream needs to hear this. Psalms 118 verse 8 says, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in princes. Man, we're being deceived. The church has better things to do than get 100% of their interest in politics. In Matthew 24, verse 9, Jesus has been asked what will happen in the end times. This is another, another scripture we just conveniently didn't listen to. Didn't believe because you know I've been telling people for some years now that persecution is about to come to the church. You know, once they get through persecuting each other's political parties, then one of them's going to persecute the church. We ain't been their priority yet, but we will be. And I've been saying this can happen in our lifetime, but no, no, we're, we're America. That never happened. You know what America's full of? Sinners just like every other nation that's fallen before us. they need Sinners that need to be saved and a church that needs to be getting them saved. I'm going somewhere with this. Matthew 24, 9, Jesus says that in the end times that you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away and betray each other and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Are we allowing hatred in our heart? Because we've sided up against each other. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. Now I don't know how much America has left. I don't know if we've gone past the point of no return. God, uh, You know, all things are possible with God, but God will accomplish His purposes on the earth. And and to get to the place that the prophecies tell us that we're going to get to, it's going to get worse. Are you ready for it? Are you perceiving what may come in the future? Are you hardening your hearts to the Word of God and saying, no, that'll never happen here? You're still fooling yourself, being hard headed? You better get prepared. Because I'm telling you, a virus with a 99.7% survival rate has scared off half the church already. If you can't take that, what are you going to do when real persecution comes? We better get ready. We better stop being hard-headed. We don't want Papa to get down off that tractor mad. (laughs) We need to be the church. Jesus told the parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids and they were waiting on the husbandman. And it says five of them were wise and they kept a lot of oil in their lamp. They had some left over. Other five were foolish and they were running low on oil. I want you to understand that the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And I believe you need oil in your lamps so that it'll shine bright so that you can see where you're supposed to be. But some of us are letting our oil run low, and we're walking around in the dark following the same things the world is following. Well, it says that the hour grew late and they all grew sleepy. And sometimes we, we, we say, well, yeah, my grandma used to say that Jesus was coming back, but, you know, it probably ain't going to happen in my lifetime, and we're growing sleepy. We're letting the oil burn down out of our lives. We've forgotten our first love. And it says the the call was made that the husband is almost here. And they they jumped up and the five were ready to go. But the other five said, give us some oil. And they said, no, you got to get your own oil. They went to get oil. And by the time they were gone, the husbandman came back and brought them into the wedding feast. And those five were left behind. Are you rapture ready? Is there oil in your lamp? Are you seeing clearly to make godly decisions? You, are you welcoming the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you just uh, carnally minded? Are you just seeing everything from a human perspective? Because we're not mere humans. We have the living God living on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit indwelling the believer that welcomes him and is baptized in the Holy Ghost. You weren't just baptized in water, you should have been baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire. So that you'll be ready. So that you can see clearly. So that you can walk in the spirit where there's life. Instead of in the carnality where there's nothing but death. So that you can see clearly and not be so hard headed. You know there, there's one place in the Bible. That God couldn't stand it anymore. He just outright called his hard heads. <laughs> Do you believe that? Stephen. Was preaching in Acts. 751 and he says to the people (laughs) i love Stephen. (laughs) you stubborn and hard-headed people now what was he talking about you always fight against the holy spirit just as your ancestors did That's been the battle all along. If the church is hard-headed about anything, it's about the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're stubborn, you stiff-necked people. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. You do always just want to do what your own physical strength can accomplish, which is nothing. Instead of walking the power of God Almighty, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You're not just mere humans, but you act like them. You still got to be fed like little babies with milk. You can't endure the strong word of God that takes you to to walk in the strength that Jesus walked in. He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. We're hard-headed and slow to believe. What the prophets have already told us clearly in the Old and the New Testament. Are you rapture ready? Are you ready when Jesus comes back? Because when I look around and I see most people with no oil in their lamps. Maybe you can have no oil in your lamps and have good intentions, but you still ain't getting nothing done. You can try, you you can give your best to the kingdom of God in your own strength and just get little results. There's something else that we really, really need to perceive. We've heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it. But Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a righteous church, holy church. Without holiness, no man will see God. Are you rapture ready? He's coming back. And He shall judge the quick and the dead. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When He looks into your heart, will it be as hard as your head? (laughs) Hebrews 10.24 Y'all hate me because I tell the truth? You know, because the more dire the situation gets, the more serious that it gets. I'm fighting for your life. When they come in here trying to shut the doors of the church and I'm having a secret message you where we're meeting this next Sunday, how many of us use going to be left? I'm fighting for your spiritual life. I'm trying to tell you the truth. I'm trying to say what the Holy Spirit's been saying all along. Wake up! Amen. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate One another to acts of love and good works. That's what I'm trying to do. Motivate you to love where the strength of God is and to do good works, not to hate your brother because they don't agree with your political theology. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This was written 2,000 years ago. How much more closer is his return now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm begging you to log out, swipe out a virtual world, and clock into your calling. There's a life to be led. It's not on the internet. There's real people with real hurts and real needs that really need Jesus. They don't need another post of a scripture on Facebook. They need human interaction. We've got to come out from behind the walls of the church and behind behind the, the walls that we've built for ourselves within social media. And we got to see that the fields are white to harvest. I don't care if they're behind masks or what. There's some things that overrule. And the Great Commission overrules what the Great Commission down at the courthouse says. We should obey the laws. I'm not saying we shouldn't obey the laws, but there comes a time we're gonna have to ask ourselves are we gonna we're gonna follow the mayor or are we gonna follow God? And I'm asking you to make some firm decisions here today. If God is God, follow him. in Isaiah. Say, here I am, Lord. Send me. The only way to reach these hearts' heads is with our soft hearts. We can't be like them and reach them. Only light overcomes darkness. Only love overcomes hate, I think Martin Luther King says. We have to be different. The world should shine in the midst of this dark and, and perverse generation in which we live. We should shine as a lighthouse. If we do our part, see, we have a part in the equation. We can't just sit back and say, God, please, God, please. We have a part to play. If we do our part, perhaps God will show us mercy. because God's mercy might be the only thing that can save America. But if God's people are not excited about it, God's people don't care about it, then what's God's going to say? What's he going to say to that? God is the only hope. I say that every sermon. He's the only hope for America, he's the only hope for your family. He's the only hope for a future for your kids. Generations before us have taken the easy road and said, I'll just push it, push the can down the road and let somebody else deal with it. But you were called for such a time as this. You were born in this day and this hour to stand and to rise in the spirit of God and declare no more, devil. You were called for today. Not somebody else, you were. And I said before we started, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And I already said that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you. We put all the past behind us. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm probably preaching more at myself than anybody. You understand? I I yell just because I'm a football coach type preacher. I'm trying to encourage you. Let's put the past. Don't matter where we've been. It matters where we're going. Let's start today. I want to challenge you to go and love somebody this week. Call somebody you hadn't called. Maybe somebody you don't even agree with. And go in the love of God. Thanks for listening to the podcast today.